Hello and welcome to What the Heck, a show that looks at mysteries and the unexplained. This part usually comes after the opening music, but I need it to be slightly different this time. I've been pretty busy over the Christmas period this year. I moved and juggling that with work and other Christmas things has caused me to lose track of everything. To catch up with the original schedule, I'm going to be recording some double feature episodes that include a main episode and a creature feature in them. Each episode will have a longer title so I can keep up with my episode numbers, and these shouldn't last too long. So, enjoy the longer episodes for the time being. Let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome to What the Heck, a show that looks at mysteries and the unexplained. Every week we look at something unexplained, telling a story or describing it, and then look at the theories surrounding it. I'm your host, Glenn, and I can't give you the answers to these unexplained things, because I don't know what they are. I'm just here to give you the information to decide for yourself. All research is done as academically as I can, and references are given at the end of the episode. This week's episode is a science episode. We're looking at the birthday blues. Everybody has a birthday. Some celebrate, others don't. Some people really enjoy their birthdays and some people can feel sad, apathetic or even disinterested in their birthday. The latter group of people likely suffer from the birthday blues. Also known as birthday depression, it refers to the sadness, apathy or disinterest in celebrating or thinking about your birthday. In addition to this, those who suffer from the blues can experience low energy or a focus on the past in the days leading up to their birthday, on their birthday and even for some time afterwards. People who suffer often find themselves feeling gloomy during their birthday period. It's an extremely common phenomenon, but has little research into it. The DSM-5, a diagnostics manual used in psychology, doesn't recognise the birthday blues as a mental health disorder. That doesn't mean to say that it isn't real. The birthday blues could be associated with depression or anxiety. Dr. Ernesto Lira de la Rosa, a clinical psychologist and member for the Hope for Depression Research Foundation, says that if people have a history of depression, it's not uncommon for them to experience sadness around their birthdays too. Many of the symptoms are associated with clinical depression, but others are related to negative feelings over the passage of time. People who get birthday blues can feel persistent sadness, low self-esteem, lack of energy or enthusiasm towards your birthday, social withdrawal, sleep disturbance, appetite changes, obsession with the past, emotional volatility, anxiety or paranoia, brain fog or disinterest in celebrating. It's not a complete list and not everyone will feel all of these. These symptoms can also appear for some people when they're reminded of birthdays 
which is an extreme case. The phenomenon is typically harmless, with only a brief period of sadness for the afflicted. However, as people get older and the people around them tend to disappear, it can become a very dark time. A study on people aged 75 and over found that suicide rates increase in the 30 days before and after a birthday. The study suggests that the birthday blues are worse than just feeling sad about birthdays and affects morale negatively. The issue with the birthday blues, though, is that we don't know why it happens. Because there isn't a lot of research, causes are only speculative. We do know who it can affect, though. People with a small number of friends or family may experience it because there aren't many people to celebrate with, or because they feel like birthdays can only be celebrated with those they're close to. People who have a lot of fair weather or fake friends may also suffer because, although they have people to celebrate with, the people around them may be less interested in celebrating than real friends. People suffering with anxiety may suffer through their own fears surrounding their birthday. This can include things like who to celebrate with, social interactions, how other people see you, and other things that can heighten the anxiety. Introverted people may also feel these things, but may feel pressure to socialise on their birthday. This can cause discomfort and a negative feeling towards the birthday because introverts are most comfortable spending time alone. On the other side, people who have high expectations can suffer from birthday blues. If their expectations aren't met, it can lead to the negative feelings associated with the birthday blues. This isn't always an expectation from others, though. It could be smaller things like attendance to a celebration or the way a person looks on their birthday. These things can have a big impact on mood during a birthday, especially for those people who want everything to be perfect on the day. If you're someone who suffers with the birthday blues, all is not lost. You don't have to celebrate, but there are ways to make the time easier. The first thing to learn is that you don't have to feel a specific way for your birthday. You are allowed to feel things and these feelings aren't wrong. Expectations could be an issue that plagues you and it might be time to let go of them. This can relieve the pressure enough to make your birthday more enjoyable. Conversely, if a lack of control is an issue, you can take control of your birthday and plan the celebrations yourself. You can throw a huge party, but you could decide that you don't want to celebrate at all. It's your birthday. You decide how you want to spend it. All of these are just suggestions. They may not solve the negative feelings surrounding your birthday, but it's not my decision how you choose to tackle them, or if you even want to. However, if you feel like it's bad enough and need help, seeking professional help is an option too. It's possible that some underlying causes aren't things you can work past alone. In these cases, the best option is professional help. Friends will listen and sometimes offer good advice, but these same friends aren't able to help you get to the root of your problem. If the birthday blues lasts longer than a few weeks, it can be a sign that there is a co-occurring mental health condition. Alternatively, there are some tasks you can do on your birthday that may change your mindset. 
These tasks each come in the form of a question. These are designed to help with self-reflection and deepen understanding of the self. The answer should be placed in a journal every year to help boost mood on your birthday. The first question is, what was the best thing that happened last year? A lot of things happen in a year, but this question requires a single, specific example that stands out the most. It could be something big like going on a vacation or getting a raise in your job, but it can also be something small like making a new friend or playing a really fun game. The second question is, what did you learn last year? This looks at the negatives of the year and reframes them as a challenge. After thinking about these challenges, the lessons that you've learned should be written down. If a challenge is ongoing, it could help to write down how you can overcome it. The third question is, what do you hope will happen this year? Like a New Year's resolution, the question directs thoughts to the future. What do you want to be celebrating next year? This can be goal-oriented, but doesn't need to be. It can be an internal challenge like learning to be patient or changing mindsets. The final question is still looking to the future. What do you want to learn this year? Comes from the growth mindset. Coined by Stanford University psychologist Carol Dweck, it suggests that a person can develop and increase basic abilities and skills through hard work and dedication. It's opposite the fixed mindset, which suggests that these abilities and skills cannot be changed. The idea of this question is that we can create personal goals for learning by practicing them, and choosing even one thing to work on throughout the year can help to create a more positive mindset. If answering these questions for the first time, it may help to look back on the highlights of the last few years. This can also be done every now and then, to see how you've done in one place. This idea is obviously not foolproof, but may help change the negative feelings into more positive ones. Now that we've looked at the birthday blues, should we look at what some of the possible causes are? This episode is a bit of a different one. The birthday blues are real, but due to lack of research into them, we don't have any theories in the way that we usually do for a science episode. So, we're going to use the same formula to go through the possible causes. There won't be my usual commentary on how these things may not work though, because they're not really theories, they're only possible causes. Let's just get on with it and see what happens. Our first cause is societal expectations. This can affect us at any time because we all have expectations of milestones we should have hit by specific times in our lives. We as people tend to compare our own progress with those around us, which becomes more prevalent towards birthdays. Feeling like goals haven't been achieved, fulfilling milestones set by society or personally, or even feeling like you're behind the progress of peers can make people feel like they're running out of time 
or failing. Memories could also cause the birthday blues. Significant dates like birthdays can bring all sorts of things up. While some memories can be positive, others may be painful or unpleasant. They don't have to be traumatic, although some of them might be, but they might be upsetting regardless. The little research we have into the phenomenon suggests that this is likely a common cause of the birthday blues, because it seems to be common to experience a kind of psychological distress on birthdays. We already talked about how loneliness can affect the birthday blues, but it can be a cause too. We view birthdays in the same way we view Christmas or Thanksgiving. They're all a time of togetherness, and not having people to spend them with can leave a person feeling isolated and alone. If this happens often, it can cause people to reflect negatively on past celebrations and the people who attended. If the feelings of loneliness are attached to these reflections or come from these reflections, an upcoming birthday can lead to the birthday blues. Aging, or the fear of it, are also a possible cause. Everyone ages, but it's not always easy to come to terms with this fact. A study from the US found that 87% of adults feared growing older. By extension, birthdays can lead people to think about the aging process and our own mortality. These fears are more common as people grow older, and birthdays remind us all how time is passing, sometimes very quickly. These feelings and reminders can cause anxiety or paranoia about health or how life changes as we age. The final potential cause today is another one we've already talked about, pressure. This is coupled with stress. Planning a birthday can be a cause of significant stress, especially if the planning involves a party or other event requiring other people to be in one place at the same time. This may cause people to feel pressured to be excited about something that's a source of stress. Others may even find birthdays to be generally overwhelming especially if they don't really want to celebrate in the expected way. It can cause people to dread birthdays. That's it for the birthday blues. Just remember, if someone doesn't want to celebrate their birthday, don't force them. There might be a good reason for it. The information from this episode came from Very Well Mind, Refinery29, Science of People and Nobody. The theories from this episode came from Talkspace. References and links are posted on social media if you want to take a look. The link tree is available in the episode description so you can go to your preferred social media or listen on your preferred platform. Patreon is still unchanged with a £3 here if you want to support me but I have nothing to put on there yet. Suggestions, personal stories and corrections can be sent through the email in the episode description too. This week's Creature Feature is coming up now and next week's episode releases next Wednesday. So hold on until then.
Hello and welcome to What the Heck's Creature Feature, where we look at folklore and cryptids. Every week we look at the history of a creature before even describing it and looking at the theories of what the creature might be. I'm your host, Glenn, and I can't give you the answers to these unexplained things because I don't know what they are. I'm just here to give you the information to decide for yourself. All research is done as academically as I can and references will be given at the end of the episode. This week's episode is a cryptid episode. We're looking at two creatures today. Phantom kangaroos and devil monkeys. So not only is it a double feature episode, there's a double creature feature as well. Let's look into it. For the first half of this episode, we're looking at kangaroos. For that reason, there isn't a description section. However, we're not looking at actual kangaroos. That would be an odd creature feature. No, we're looking at kangaroos that live outside of their native Australia. Not in zoos, in the wild. As far as we know, kangaroos are endemic to the Australian continent, meaning that they only exist there. However, there are multiple reports of them being found in the wild around the world. Phantom kangaroos are also known as errant kangaroos. According to cryptozoology guides, these animals were first seen in the 19th century. The most referenced of these is from 1899, when a woman in New Richmond, Wisconsin, reported seeing one running through her neighbor's yard. Some people tried to explain it away by using the circus that was in town but it was discovered that the circus had never owned a kangaroo. The kangaroo was never spotted again. It wasn't the last time a wild kangaroo was spotted in the US though. In 1907, another one was spotted in Pennsylvania. Then, in 1934, near South Pittsburgh, Tennessee, a kangaroo-like creature was said to be attacking local pets, even eating a pair of police dogs. The most famous sighting of a kangaroo in the US happened in 1974 in Chicago. A kangaroo was discovered in the city's northwest side. Police officers managed to corner it in an alley, but before they could capture it, it hopped over a fence and escaped. The kangaroo was later spotted in Indiana, but disappeared again and was never caught. Outside of the US, there are other reported sightings. Between 2002 and 2011, there were a series of sightings in the Miami district of Osaki, Miyagi City in the Miyagi prefecture of Japan. In 1831, two sailors from New Zealand landed in Australia and reported that they'd seen a giant kangaroo that measured 30 feet tall at a small cove in Dusky Sound, South Island. They'd seen it from their boat, standing near the tree line. When they got closer, the animal jumped into the water and swam away. These are all the sightings I could find, but let's look at some theories. Phantom or errant kangaroos have been sighted all over the world, but what could be causing these sightings? 
The usual stuff applies here. They're either real or they aren't. But we have something here that might help us. The only evidence we have to suggest they're real is the number of sightings of them. But there are other things we can look at. Wallabies look like kangaroos, but are smaller. That only really leaves one encounter unexplained. In France, a population of red-necked wallabies live near Aimance, about 31 miles southwest of Paris. They're descended from a breeding population that had escaped from a zoological reserve in the 1970s. In New Zealand, three species of wallabies can be found on Kawao Island in the Hauraki Gulf. These species descend from a population related to the 19th century governor, Sir George Grey, who deliberately introduced them into the area. There are also wallabies in the Wamati district of South Island that were introduced to the area specifically for hunting during the late 19th century. The UK has documented colonies of red-necked wallabies as well. After breaking loose from a zoo in Leek, Staffordshire in the 1930s, a colony established itself. Their population peaked in the 1970s and people believed they'd died out in the early 2000s until newspapers reported sightings in 2009. There are wallabies around Loch Lomond in Scotland too. These were introduced to the area by Lady Aran Colcoen in the 1920s. There are even Bennett's wallabies in Highgate Cemetery in Hampstead, London. A sighting of this was filmed in 2013. An albino wallaby was also reported in Northamptonshire in 2015. Some explanations, like the 1899 sighting, suggest that the kangaroos are the result of escaped circus animals. Like the case of the UK wallabies, some explanations include escaped zoo animals. But some people offer less mundane solutions, like publicity stunts by local businesses who are using photographs from Australia. One option is that it's the result of mass hysteria, but that doesn't really make sense since the sightings are relatively few and far between. Phantom kangaroos may be just that. Phantoms. But always be aware of a kangaroo in your vicinity. You never know when one might show up. Our second creature today is the devil monkey. These creatures are marsupial-like primates that have attacked people across North America. The first recorded encounter with these creatures dates back to 1934. Once again, we're in South Pittsburgh, Tennessee. A lot seems to be happening there this week. According to reports, the eyewitnesses described a mysterious beast that could leap across fields with surprising speed. These reports led to speculations that these creatures could be somehow linked to the phantom kangaroo sightings. These speculations suggest that the US sightings of the phantom kangaroos are just devil monkeys being seen from a distance. 
1934 sightings aren't the first official sightings due to their link with the phantom kangaroos. The official sightings started in 1959. Mr. and Mrs. Boyd were driving through the mountains near Saltville, Virginia when they encountered the creature. It attacked their car, leaving three scratch marks on the vehicle. Days later, another attack took place. Two nurses from the area were driving home from work one morning when they were attacked by the creature, who tore the roof off their convertible. In 1969, Renee de Hinden and John Green, mystery ape researchers, looked into accounts of a creature that had been sighted near Mamquam, British Columbia. This has been attributed to the Honey Island Swamp Monster as well, so the jury's still out on that one. In 1973, cryptozoologist Lauren Coleman investigated reports of creatures that were said to have slaughtered livestock in Albany, Kentucky. She went on to have an interview with Animal Planet, saying that she investigated in depth. She had interviewed witnesses who seemed to be telling the truth. In 1979, reports of a creature known as the Belt Road Booger came from Georgia. One eyewitness described qualities known to belong to devil monkeys, but not much more is known about it. In 1994, a sighting happened in Ohio. A woman was driving on a dark road at 2.30 in the morning. A creature jumped out in front of her car. She wasn't harmed at all, but for a short time after the sightings, livestock began to disappear from the area. In 1996, a sighting was reported in Louisiana. This report was posted by a biologist in 2009. He said that he was sat watching the rain when he spotted movement in a large field nearby. It ran across the field, leaping over the five-foot fence before standing up on its hind legs. He said that he couldn't explain it away and firmly believes it was a devil monkey. The creature wasn't sighted again then until 2006. This time it was sighted in Chicago. The witness claimed that he and his family came home one evening to find a devil-like creature attacking the family dog. He managed to take a photograph of the creature and after the camera's flash went off, it rose on its hind legs and ran. The neighborhood was allegedly plagued with missing pets and sightings of the creature. It doesn't look like these creatures have been spotted more recently. Let's see what it looks like. The devil monkey is a species of aggressive primate that lives exclusively in the US. But what are these monkeys supposed to look like? There are multiple descriptions of this creature. Mostly, they're described as shaggy, with a dog-like face and baboon-like features with strong, almost kangaroo-like legs. They also have three toes, razor-sharp claws, tiny pointed ears, and a long tail that's often described as bushy. The Boyd's daughter, Pauline, 
described the creature as having taffy-coloured hair and a white patch down its neck and underbelly. It stood on two legs with shorter front legs. The 1979 reports of the Belt Road Booger described it as having a tail like a beaver, but bushy, with a face like a dog. Some reports described the creature as looking like a dog from a distance, and the Chicago sighting added glowing eyes to the overall description. The 1996 sighting changed the description completely, and the biologist described the creature as being about four foot tall, with large yellowish eyes, large pointed ears, and a shaggy coat of fur. It had a bushy tail, and the snout was described as cat-like with whiskers. That's it for the description. Let's take a look at our second set of theories for the day. Devil monkeys have several descriptions and are very aggressive, but what do people think they are? Our first theory is covered already. Some people believe that they're actually phantom kangaroos, and we already know the theories behind that one. One theory suggests that these creatures are real and either an unclassified species of primate or a remnant of an ancient family of simians called tarsids. The first half of this theory makes more sense than the latter half. Ancient species are always difficult theories to back up, and it's entirely possible that these are just speculation due to the lack of physical evidence. However, there is another theory that links the devil monkey to another creature. This one from folklore. There is a Native American tribe from the southeast of the US called the Choctaw. The Choctaw have stories of creatures called the Nalusa Filet. These creatures are thin, black, humanoid beings with beady eyes and long pointy ears. The only thing that separates these two creatures is that the Nalusa Filet slithers on its stomach to stalk prey. Another theory suggests that devil monkeys are aliens, but I feel like that's quite the jump in logic. Others believe that they're related to the formerly extinct Therapithecus oswaldi, which is a giant relative of the Galada, or the Bleeding Heart Monkey. This would make sense if there was some kind of evidence of devil monkeys, but without DNA to confirm the genus, we're still unable to confirm it. Regardless of what you believe, be careful out in rural parts of the US at night. You never know what might be lurking there. The history and descriptions from this week's creatures came from Wikiwand, Atlas Obscura, Cryptopia and Mountain Law. The theories from this episode came from Wikiwand and Cryptopia. References and links are posted on social media if you want to take a look. The link tree is available in the episode description so you can go to your preferred social media or listen on your preferred platform. Patreon is still unchanged with a £3 tier if you want to support me, but I have nothing to put on there yet. Suggestions, personal stories and corrections can be sent through the email in the episode description too. Next week's episode and creature feature will release on Wednesday. Hold on until then. 
Thank you.